All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, actual football is finally here and upon us. It is week one of the preseason is in the books, entering into the second round of preseason games, joint practices between games. Uh, I, I can't wait to get to the regular season. I just want to fast forward and skip over potential injuries and anything like that over the next like few weeks and just get in. But I would be remiss if I didn't call out your jersey selection this evening that we were I'm, – I'm ad-libbing here that we were talking about. Bad boy for life there, paying homage to the late, great, notorious B.I.G. I respect it, um, and I'm quite envious of that jersey, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, just paying homage to the GOAT, the greatest out there to ever do it. Uh, don't come at me at that. I'll battle you all day. That could take about a two-hour uh, wrap right now between me and you. Uh, yeah, so preseason football, it's a bittersweet. Uh, the bitterness means summer's ending, but the sweetness means there is some meaning to our lives on Sundays again. Uh, it's not just going to the beach and, like, dragging along all this you know, shit for your family and everything. It, you know, it's it's more of like it, it. Sundays are now again for the for the boys. So uh, yes, like you said before, nervously watching. Just want the regular season to get here. Don't want any injuries for any team. To be honest with you, I don't care if you're a division rival or what have you. Uh, I just want everyone to get to the season fully healthy and let's get this shit going. Hell yeah. Uh, it's funny when you say it's for the boys. I just remind you of that song. Let's hear it for the boys. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hold on, hold on. You know I'm going to cut that up, and I'm just going to be randomly playing that on on, uh, on our Instagram page at WTFPod NFL or our to, Twitter page. <laughs> do you want me to give you an extended version of it so it's a little easier to, cl- to cut? We're, dude, we're trying to get listeners and followers. <laughs> oh. So I'm sorry. That'll that, gain us three followers. Mark my words. Yeah, for that reason, I'm out, dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for that reason. It's a no from me, dog. Yeah, it's a no. Uh, let's remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family again one more time that's primetimesportstalk.com your go-to for sports content so i i feel like i'm on the fan when i write when i read through that you know what i mean like where everybody's got to have that like quick uh, yeah that quick a quick commercial uh break Lou, but tonight's episode it's fun but it's risky tonight's episode is not from uh 1877 cars for kids. <laughs> <laughs> this anyone, anyone that, yeah, anyone listen to this right now, then now they're gonna have that song stuck in their head. <laughs> 1877 cars for kids. K-A-R-S cars for kids. <laughs> yeah, we're losing some we're losing subscribers left and right. So Whatever, I, think I think we're down to two now. <laughs> and that concludes this evening's episode. Thanks for listening. Good night, all. <laughs> um but we do have a fun and risky episode tonight, right? While I'm sure we could, you know, spend hours and hours reliving our last episode and, and talking top sports movies of all time. Actually, now it's time to get down into uh, get down to business, I should say. And we'll take a, a, a look deep into our crystal balls and predict the futures and outcomes for the 2022 season. 
My intention, yours as well, let's kick it off by focusing on the team-based element of this, and then from there we'll jump into some uh, player accolades and player predictions for the year. I think there is no better topic to start with than defining our division winners for all eight of the NFL divisions this year. Lou, I will give you the honors. You pick, are we starting the AFC, NFC, and what division are we starting with? How about, um, well, I'll start with the AFC, and then maybe you go NFC, and then we go reverse, reverse. Like, well, you know, we'll do an Uno card here. All right, cool. Um, but it, I, I'll match you. So if you, I'm just making this up. But if you start with the AFC North, then I'm going to jump to the NFC North, and we'll go that way. Loving it, loving it. All right, so Wes, I want to tell the listeners uh, about our contrarian or our contrasting uh, ways how we probably came uh, to get to our division winners. Um, I use a website where basically it's called Playoff Predictor, and basically what I did was. I went through every team schedule and basically get to choose who wins the regular season games and determine that when you do that, basically what happens is you determine uh, the record and it creates who from all the games and all the teams that you pick, uh, it creates who will then go into the playoffs. So that is how my analytical I'm, I'm numbers based driven. I need more concrete type of stuff. Uh, and that's pretty much um, how I got to my division winners. I sent you that information earlier this week and you politely told me to go F off. I am not doing all that work. Uh, so you can go ahead and enjoy that. So this mine is from a, like a website determining uh, every regular season games. And then Weston, uh, I feel, am I correct me if I'm wrong? Is it gut, gut feeling from you? As it always is. It's, gut it's feeling. gut feeling based on watching this sport for, 34 years 34 years gut feeling uh i and if and, people don't know weston is really is 55 years old so he looks great for his age he, he, got, <laughs> he got into uh watching football uh late in life uh if you do the math 55 minus 34 carry the one i think he was like 19 or something yeah i just i just cleaned up my weave too to eliminate a lot of my gray hair <laughs> so i look i look i look even younger all right so okay enough with the with this uh with the, with the bantering here all right so I'll start off, you know, you know, the East. The East is the best. So for the AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills winning uh, that division. I don't think it's a secret here. Uh, the Jets, uh, up and coming team, kind of, but they still don't have their play caller, uh, their future play caller, really comfortable yet. I don't know how really effective he's going to be. It's a tough division for the Jets, so I don't really see them as. Um, major threats to that division. Then you got the um, the New England Patriots. Now, a couple of years removed from Tom Brady. I don't really know if I believe in Mac Jones, if you want my honest opinion. Uh, they're going to be feisty, but that's all that I think they're going to be uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, threatening the Bills for the AFC East. And last but not least, then you got the Miami Dolphins. I think they're a talented team. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them, but I still don't think they match up well uh, from uh, the uh, from the Buffalo Bills from a talent standpoint and coaching standpoint. So I have the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East. I think I'm a little confused on the subject. Am I supposed to also no, be my winner here? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. This is all yeah. right. All right. Uh, Buffalo Bills next, right? Like I don't even, you know, I, I'm, I'll try not to be redundant here. Uh, the Jets are still a ways away. Um, 
no idea what's going on with the quarterback scenario, how much that's going to linger um, with, with Zach Wilson. Uh, a lot of youth on that team, you know, added a lot of talent for sure, but no no seasoned vets that are going to get them over this hump and the likes of Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and that, that Bills defense that on paper got better with Von Miller coming into town. And they have a boatload of pass rushers, Von Miller, Greg, Gregory Rousseau, uh, Boogie Basham, uh, you know Oliver. They have, they have a lot, and they have they're good in the back end too. Probably one of the best uh, safety duos in the back end. Now they have uh, Tre'Davious White and the kid Elam from Florida, uh, who who is ridiculously athletic, good size, good speed, and then they have players at the second level with uh, Edmonds, and they have some uh, Milano. Those guys can cover. So that defense is loaded. There's a concern if the running game. They try to address it with Cook out of Georgia, the running back, but he's not every day, uh, every, uh, you know, an every down running back. And also their offensive line's a little spotty, I would say. Uh, but, you know, when you have a mobile physical quarterback, you don't need to have a dominant offensive line. So I agree with everything you said. I think just good news for Buffalo Bills is the best player on their team touches the ball every snap. So uh, that that's puts you in a better position. Um, I, again, I thought the Jets are a ways away. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing for new England right now is like, okay, we have one year of Mac Jones. It was a pretty consistent year. It wasn't a lot of up and down. It was relatively consistent. What have they really done around them? Not a ton. Cause it's still under the bill Belichick model. Right. I mean, last year was an anomaly, but not spending a lot of money. I think the biggest knock for them is one consistent cog in the wheel is gone. And Josh McDaniels from an offensive quarter coordinator standpoint, I think that's a, a knock against them. And with Miami, like, I, I think this, like, always haunts Miami. They always seem to have talent, but it never comes to fruition. First-year head coach down there, right? New regime. Uh, I understand that they tried to get better in certain areas, but to me this boils down to who's under center. And you know how I feel about the individual who's under center. And and for that reason, and while he's still there, this team is not a playoff team in my mind. You know, this, this is – I could have ended it at Buffalo Bills onto the next division and nobody would have disagreed, but a little bit of justification for it too. Real quick. Um, I think I was high on Tua coming out of college because I loved his ball placement and everything. I thought he was very extremely cerebral and you hated Tua. I think this year we're going to see, we're going to probably meet close to the middle. I, I do think Tua is, is going to be better than uh, we what we've seen before, and I'm not sure if that translates to wins because of the AFC is ridiculously hard. But I do think they have an offensive line. Uh, you know that um, the Miami Dolphins have an offensive line that they invested in. They have some skill positions. I think Tua is going to be better, but I don't think he's going to be as good as I thought he was, and I don't think he's going to be as bad as you think he is. I think statistically he will be better, and here's why: statistically he will be better because you're getting another year out of Jalen Waddle. Right. Uh, another year uh, of Gisecki, and then you bring in Tyreek Hill. Now, the problem is, is Tyreek Hill is not going to be leveraged or execute the same way he did in Kansas City. He's going to play closer to the line of scrimmage, a lot of gadget plays. Remember, who's the head coach and who's going to be influencing the playbook here? Mike McDaniel, who spent time in San Francisco. Expect a lot of similar usage gadget plays outside of like literally handing the ball off to him in the backfield like Depot last year for Tyreek Hill. So for that, yes, completion percentage will go up. Yards will go up. A lot of it will be yak, but it's not going to – to me, it just won't translate to wins. Yeah. And like I said, it's very well possible. But yeah. All 
All, All right. right. Where do you want to go from here? Let's go up. Uh, let's go up uh, north. Um, very hard division here of uh, the AFC North. You got all teams outside of probably the Browns now because of the news that came out with, with Sean Watson being suspended for 11 games. We shall digress and not get too much into that because we just want to talk about football today. We are no legal comp counselors. So outside of the Cleveland Browns, uh, I feel like you, you – correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you can safely eliminate them. Yeah. If Deshaun Watson was Misses able – 11 to, games. Yeah. You're out of if the hunt. He, the six games, I think they could have maybe done something because the first like three or four games of the Browns are easy. So maybe if they went like two and two, and then like Deshaun Watson came back, okay. But I feel like they're out of the hunt. So now it's a three. It's now it's a it's a three horse race here. You got the Steelers, fantastic defense, great skill positions, uh, running back, wide receiver. But it's all gonna come down to quarterback. From you know you don't know who, you know who's under center. Is it Trubisky? Is it Pickett? And even if it is one of those guys, how much can he really can the, the the quarterback really propel the Steelers going against these two other teams? And everyone's going to be quick to say the Bengals because they invested in the offensive line. Joe Burrow finally has legitimate talent in the trenches to protect him, and it was they're so fun and splashy last week. I mean, last year. So it's a popular pick. That being saying. I'm on the Ravens bandwagon. Last year they missed 20. Yeah, I have the Ravens winning, and I get it. They don't have receivers, but they never really needed receivers with Lamar Jackson. They're, just because you don't like how their offense runs doesn't mean it's not effective and efficient. A uh, couple things I think what people forgot last year, they missed – correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like a <clears throat> like 11 starters on both sides of the ball uh, out of 22 were out for significant periods of time last year. You're talking about Ronnie Stanley, one of the better left tackles out there. You're talking about J.K. Dobbins. You're talking about Marlon Humphrey. You're talking about Marcus Peters. These are no slouches, all right? Now, not only do they are, are they getting these players back healthy, they did a great job in the NFL draft drafting Kyle Hamilton. They also got uh, the safety from the Saints. Uh, what's his name? Was it Marcus Williams? <clears throat> that guy was a baller and turnover machine. I'm sorry. Uh, I think people are really uh, marginalizing – all the talent they're getting back from injuries and all the, the great job they added in the draft, when, especially when it comes to defense. And let's not forget the first like seven, I keep on saying this, you know, a lot of our shows, the first seven or eight weeks, Lamar Jackson single-handedly outpaced like 11 different offenses last year from a rushing and a, 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 a passing standpoint, like combined total yards. So he had, there was so much attrition uh, from injury standpoint and I feel like it's you can't really factor that in. And usually when that, that doesn't happen twice in a row. And that's why I think the Ravens uh, are going to be these the AFC North uh, champions. Right. I'll make it short and sweet um, with my response. I 100% agree. Uh, and it's not even a hesitation on me. They have the most dynamic player in football under center. And if he's healthy – you just you just spelt it out what he did in those first eight weeks. I got I got a I'll, I'll take it a little bit further for you with him. He played he played effectively eleven games through the first twelve weeks of the season. Nine out of those twelve weeks, he was also the team's leading rusher. Yeah, dude does everything. Dude, they were pulling people from the scrap heap. Uh, Devontae Freeman, like come on, people off the yeah. streets, like just the and they weren't giving. They anything. they were eight and four. Before he went down 
and then they finished eight and nine and they were still in the playoff hunt. Right. Uh, like you said, with scrap peep talent, etc. I'll take this. So I agree. Deshaun out 11 games that cross cancels Cleveland. I, I like Pittsburgh's team and they will be competitive, but I think eventually well before the halfway point of the season, it'll be Kenny Pickett's offense and rookie quarterback there will be growing pains there will be a lot of things and again i don't know if he projects everybody around him to be better just yet i do think he will be a very competent starter in the nfl for an extended period of time i just don't think you know year one taking over um you know let's just comfortably call it halfway through a season is going to be enough here's something i'm going to say one thing too i've been like a lot of Steelers fans i see a lot of chatter on, on you know twitter like Dude, we made the playoffs with Big Ben's corpse and his dead arm. What Big Ben, yeah, I get it. He couldn't get the ball to his receivers. They didn't really have too many turnovers. He didn't put you in bad spots. You know what I mean? That's where players like Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, that's where they changed. Don't forget, Kenny Pickett had a tremendous amount of fumbles in college too. So that's where it's going to be different. Here's here's my knock against Cincinnati and why this, this for me puts Baltimore over the top. Since 1989. So I did a little statistical research here for a guy who's gut. Since 1989, 14 teams that lost in the Super Bowl, Cincinnati Bengals last season, have failed to reach the playoffs. And only three teams in 33 years, essentially, have made it back to the conference championship the next year after losing the Super Bowl. Two of those teams are the New England Patriots that were led by Tom Brady, right? They are not led by Tom Brady. Here's the reality for the Cincinnati Bengals. They are a very young and talented football team. And on paper, yes, they got better. But effectively what happened for them last year is they caught lightning in a bottle, right? So to get back to this point and to compete with a healthy Lamar Jackson, they need everything to go right again. And that is very difficult. One of the things that I love about the National Football League is the shape of the object that they are carrying. The shape of the object says that it bounces really funny ways, right? And I and I say that because, like, you know, a, a, a late fumble that you do recover that puts your offense in an opportune spot to win a game or a late fumble that you, you land on yourselves and don't turn the ball over the next year, that ball bounces differently. It just does, right? And, like, I go back to the lightning and bottle. Let's not forget. That in the previous, I'm not a big Zach Taylor fan. I'm just telling you right now, and you know how much coaching matters in the NFL. In the previous two seasons, they were combined six, 25, and one. Can I, in can two I, previous can, seasons with Zach Taylor? Can, can I step in there? You hit the nail on the head. So that what they were, they finished last in the division, right? So what happens when you finish last in your division? Guess what? You play. The next year, you play the last in the division against the counterparts uh, from other divisions. Guess what? They won their division last year. Now they play number ones. Now they're playing number one winners in the divisions uh, on their schedule. So it's no longer the cakewalks and and what have you. They're going to be facing a little stiffer competition. Um, So, yeah, that means they automatically draw Kansas City, Buffalo, and Tennessee without – even taking into account the divisions that the AFC North competes against this year. Exactly. It's Baltimore for me. It's, 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 I've just gave you some color to it, but it's Baltimore for me. This is, 
this is still this is still John Harbaugh's division. I I'm most scared kind of that we're kind of in lockstep right now. This is usually not how we operate here. Well, the first one was a layup, dude. If anybody came in and tried to argue the East differently, they'd lose credibility in my eyes. This is, this one was more in the air. Okay. So let's go to the next one then. Yep. Uh, We're going to say, can I start? Oh, we're going to, yes, we'll start, but I'm going to, we're going to say the best for last. So yeah. Yeah. So we're going AFC South now, AFC South, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, to me, Matt Ryan just makes all the difference for this team. They're a transcending team. They have a dynamic running back. They have a, a I like to think of a plethora of relatively consistent wide receivers. I think Michael Pittman is absolutely ascending. I love what Indy does on the defensive side of the ball. DeForest Buckner, uh, Darius Leonard. He changed his name, didn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah. Go- he's going by something, but he's still Darius Leonard to me. They got depth in the secondary. Matt Ryan puts this team over the top. Matt Ryan will be what they were kind of hoping Carson Wentz would be. Matt Ryan still has plenty of football in him. He's super talented. He was lost in a t- – his contract forced him to be lost in a ton of mediocrity down in Atlanta. And f- people forget that this guy's an MVP, right? Like he's played at a high level. He doesn't even have to be that. The other thing, and I, I don't want to give away too much right here um, – but I have zero expectations that Tennessee duplicates what they did last year. And I'll, and I'll talk about that um, in a second, but I just think like Tannehill is descending, right? It's only a matter of time before I think Malik Willis gets serious looks and serious opportunity. King Henry is another year older and there was finally a kink in that. Eh, arm. Eh. All right. Dude. So, all right. So he got hurt last year, but kink in the armor, bro. Hold on. Hold on. If you look at, if, if you look at the glass half full, because he got hurt last year, he did not have the same workload as he normally has. Save, save that wear and tear. I'm just Doesn't saying. matter. A big plain, body, plain a, devil advocate here. It's a mental game now. Big body running back like that. I got hurt with my foot. You know what I mean? Like of all things, like it's just like, dude, the, he's a big man. Those feet matter, and we've seen it time and time again. I know he's not 30 years old yet, but running backs will plateau out of nowhere. Right. Like Todd Gurley is a cautionary tale about this. Right. Todd Gurley gets hurt once. Dude's not even in the NFL anymore. And I don't even think he's 30 years old. Yeah. But you he know had what issues, I mean? issues in college with degenerate knee and arthritis. I mean, that was his, that was, dude, that was his thing. That was the medical flags. I'm just saying, I just, I just think okay. the last year was Tennessee's year to capitalize and they did okay. the best that they could. Okay. So, I'm actually going to say the winner of the AFC South is the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to agree with you. A um, couple of things: never was a believer in Wentz, and I am a believer in Matty Ryan. Matty Ryan's going to a team where they're going to be able to protect him better because they have a better offensive line, and they're going to be able to run the ball better. I don't know when was the last time Matt Ryan had a good. Uh, you know, rush, rushing attack. It was with Devontae Freeman in his prime, like before he signed that big contract. So, and they went uh, to the Super Bowl, didn't they? Yeah. So he's going to be able to take there. So it's not going to be all on Matt Matt Ryan uh, taking all the heat. Uh, he's there's going to be ways. He doesn't have to win the game, but he just doesn't. He just can't lose the game, and that's what Carson Wentz did so many times last year for the Indianapolis Colts. He lost them the game. Yep. So yes, they're fight they're going to be feisty, they're going to be they're always going to be tough out the Colts. But I actually think this is more of a reflection on 
the Tennessee Titans than the Indianapolis Colts. You alluded to before, I think you're right. I think last year was their swan song. I think it was like that was the closest they're going to get. They lost some offensive linemen. Their offensive linemen they've tried to draft over the years have just not panned out. Dylan Raddins, uh, there was another big guy they, they drafted out of Georgia. They don't have that dominant offensive line. They lost Roger Saffold, and that's what they were. Now they lose A.J. Brown, and you're expected to replace him with a talented Traylon Burks. And I think we've gotten spoiled with rookie wide receivers and how much they contribute You know, in, in their first year. I think Traylon Burks is going to have a lot of ups and downs. He's going to have great flashes, but he's going to disappear. And they can't afford because that because that offense has lost so much talent. They can't afford those that disappearing act, and it's not fair to Traylon Burks. And I know that defense is rugged and what have you, but that's another thing. They're inconsistent as well. So I think this is more a reflection on the Titans, uh, them failing to capitalize last year, and that. And I think the Colts are good, but this is more of the Titans not being able to duplicate what they did last year so it opens the door to someone else no argument um all right that leaves us with one division left in the afc it's your division i'll let you lead it all right so <clears throat> not being a debbie downer here man in order to beat you know what, what, what does rick flair say Woo! in order to beat the man to be the man beat, you gotta beat, the, beat man. the man and i'm sorry i have it penciled in here the kansas city chiefs i don't care the fact that they lost Tyreek Hill. I don't care about that. I think you're going to see a completely different type of Kansas City Chiefs team. It's going to be more efficient. Uh, it's going to be more rugged. And I'm sorry, you, it's just going to be it's going to be great, but just in a different way that you're accustomed. It's not going to be flashy those throwing of the bombs to Tyreek Hill and what have you. I think it's just going to be almost like a, a Green Bay Packers type of offense with like Aaron Rodgers, efficient. Big play here and there, but they're going to can see Chiefs fans will love this matriculate down the field. And their defense, they they lost Tyreek Hill, that big home run hitter. I get it, but they added some talent on that defense, so their defense is no longer a complete liability. They're going to be competitive. I've never, no one was ever scared of that Kansas City, you know, uh, Chiefs defense. You always were scared of that offense. Uh, so now that their defense can can provide a little. You know, stoppage against opposing offenses. I think it's a little scary, and that's why I think the Kansas City Chiefs win the AFC West. Yeah, um, you're going to be. I don't know. You might start getting upset with me, but I 100% agree. Um, listen, wow, are we four for four? <clears throat> four for four right now. Wow. This listen, is not planned, ladies and gentlemen. All four teams are, you could argue, are in the mix here. This is on yeah. paper the toughest division in football right now, and you can easily make a case for any of them. I know the Chargers are becoming the darling of the NFL right now, and rightfully so. I mean, see, it's interesting that you say that because I believe it or not, I'm seeing more Raiders love from like people like Rich Eisen. I'm seeing because Devontae, like, like, who are you going to stop? And I get it, but I'm seeing more Raiders love than Chargers love. Let me put it to you like this I've seen videos out of camp for 
the char- LA Chargers, and more people have been showing up to the camp than were showing up to home games when they were in San Diego. And... All of a sudden, they have fans now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they went from like thirteen to like three hundred. So like we're we're <laughs> matriculating up uh, in, in the in the fan base. And listen, on paper, bro, they're and I think they will be as advertised. But you hit the nail right on the head, right? Like I can't logically argue any other team outside of the Kansas city chiefs, because if you want to be the champs of this division, you have to dethrone the six consecutive time champions of this division. I actually do see three playoff teams from this division more to come on that when we get to that point. But that being said, we always talk about coaching. I know Tyreek Hill's not there, but you know, who's still there. Patrick Mahomes is still there. You know, who else is still there. Andy Reid's still there. Andy Reid was winning this division when Alex Smith was his quarterback before Patrick Mahomes was his quarterback. And he is mature enough and confident enough. And you saw a lot of it last year, change of the game, right? It wasn't like, Hey, first play of the game, we're airing it out 80 yards to Tyreek Hill, catching him off guard. And before you know it, we're up seven, nothing. Now do, do I think losing Tyreek Hill has an effect? I do, because I think when you get, the other skill teams in this division and they feel confidently like they only really have to narrow down on like Kelsey and the, the deep threat. But then you got this rookie sky Moore who can take the top off you. If you're not paying attention, is he Tyree kill? I'm not saying that, but you're going to have to account for him. He's going to get behind some people and it's going to be in the back of your mind. I think the only knock is for the last few years. I'm just not sold on a Kansas city running game, right? It, it's like, it's it just not sold on the running game, but at the end of the day, when you've won the division six times in a row, somebody has to prove to me that you're not capable of winning the division. And right now, they have the two most important things. They have the head coach and they have the quarterback. I'm sorry. If they can't run this year, they're never going to be able to run because their offensive line is really good. So if they yeah. can't establish the run this year, then it's more of a, a will than a skill type of thing. They yeah. just don't want to. All right. So we're four for four. I'll let you keep going. I'll let you right, So yeah, let's repeat our – let's repeat our, our – our, our our division our division winners in the AFC. Go ahead, repeat them. AFC East, Buffalo Bills. Um, AFC North, Baltimore Ravens. AFC South, Indianapolis Colts. AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so let's go into the NFC, and I will let you start off more, being that this is you know this is I'm in stepping in your kitchen now. So, um, I, I'll I'll start where it's less controversial, and I'll start in the NFC South. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, here's think- my here's my note. Is anyway. Tom Brady still there? Okay, just checking and asking for a friend. Period. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Period. Stop. Like yeah. end of story. Um, and and the reality is, is unfortunately the teams around him are just uh, the teams in that division have gone down talent. Like I don't know what New Orleans is with Jameis Winston under center. Uh, consistently Michael Thomas out a year. Like, what does that look like coming back? Is he now all of a sudden on his back nine because injuries are lingering? Then I think of the Atlanta Falcons and, you know, like rolling out Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter as your starting quarterback, uh, zero confidence in there. I don't even know if Calvin Ridley has been reinstated. Hey, Kyle no. Pitts, <laughs> Kyle Pitts is a plus. I think Atlanta's defense has gotten a little bit better, um, but, and then the um, 
we know what Carolina is. The only thing I'll say about Carolina is I think they're going to be a little bit more competitive than people think. Like they're getting back people like JC Horn, right? That that defense been balling it, by the way. Yeah. JC Horn's been balling. That defense is going to look better than it is. And I, I do think Baker Mayfield is a a step up from anything else that they've had under center there for the last two three years and again from me more to come on that subject in a, in a moment not to give anything away but it, again if it's the tampa the, bay buccaneers are tom brady led then we're all good here listen i'll make this short and sweet just like myself the buccaneers own the division the rest of those three teams are just renting yeah yeah they're tenants in the nfc yeah. south exactly all right you where do you want to go from here uh let's, saving let's, the best for last of course yeah of course uh let's go to the east all right this one was controversial uh, because no team – I don't think – I remember the last time um, <clears throat> an NFC East team won back-to-back years when it comes to uh, a division. And the Cowboys won last year. And I'm going to say this trend continues. I think this year it's going to be the Philadelphia the – filth, the filthy Eagles, the filthy Philadelphia Eagles winning uh, the NFC East. They had, did a great job this, this – uh, you know, uh, this offseason, adding talent on both sides of the ball. Fantastic job adding A.J. Brown. Bring something completely different uh, uh, to, to that uh, dimension of that offense they didn't have before. Their offensive line is always phenomenal. Now they added some defense, drafting Jordan Davis, Kaiser White in the second level, uh, signed James Bradbury. You have, to, uh, you have to like the moves they made. They also uh, drafted uh, N'Kobe Dean as well. Brought in Jaquaski Tart. Yeah, like you, you you have to like the moves they make. And looking at Dallas, if you look at Dallas, they, they lost some talent. They lost Amari Cooper. All right. Their offensive line is no longer that big, bad offensive line. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has shown signs of regression because he can no longer carry the load because the offensive line, once not, again, is not, is not amazing. Dallas' defense is very good. So I'm not discounting them. I just think between all the injuries that Dallas has at the skill position, it's C.D. Lamb, it's Dalton Schultz, and then who else? And I just think uh, I'm not a believer in Jalen Hurts, but I think with this amount of talent around him, they can find a way to win the NFC East. So I'm you hear here the Eagles in the East. I mean, dude, I I'm, I said the Philadelphia Eagles too. I I I think we're gonna agree on every team. Uh, it's actually scaring me because we never agree on every division. I, I think maybe our uh, I think maybe our uh, the, the rest of the playoff teams will probably that's where we'll have some playoff teams will be just some some discrepancy. But I have the Eagles too. I have zero faith faith in this division. I mean, the Giants might win four games all year. Sorry, Giant fans. Sorry to my family who you know were Giant season ticket holders, but four games. <laughs> But Maybe. that's okay, though. That's okay if they win four games, as long as they're competitive in these games. You're looking. You're not looking to. If you're a Giants fan, you're not looking to win these games this year because you don't have all the talent there. If you're you, a you Giants fan and you think this division is winnable for you, you're actually not a Giant fan. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like because you're not paying attention is yeah, what it you, comes down to. You, you just want you want to get off those bad contracts. Um, and give Dable another year to get his his people in another offseason and not a short offseason like there is for head coaching changes, especially an offensive coordinator who was sitting into the, you know, I mean, the divisional playoffs. Right. Like mm-hmm. and probably took him a week to get off the couch after the way they lost that game to Kansas City. 
um, especially when his offense was rolling the way they were. Were but I'm gonna I'm gonna loop back here and say with the Cowboys, I feel the same way about them that I do about the Tennessee Titans this year. Should have capitalized last year. They were a better team. Um, they had things going. They kind of won the division like handily, um, you know. But like, hey, another year with Mike McCarthy and you you didn't get over the hump. I just I'm not believing it. I'm not buying it. And like you said, I think the the Mari Cooper loss is bigger than people are um, anticipating. I think they need to make a shift away from Zeke. To be honest with you, I think you need to see more Pollard. He's just more explosive. Um, I just I I, I think. Cowboy fans are in for a rude awakening and it feels like eight, eight games this year is the way that I, I see their, um, you know, their outcome. And like, please spare me with the Carson Wentz led commanders, even if the, that defense comes full circle to what it was two seasons ago, there's just not going to be enough on offense and Terry McLaurin is just going to waste away another season, um, even after signing his uh, contract. But yeah, this is, to me, this is, I think it's Philly, and I think it's Philly easily. Now, the the one thing that I can poke a hole in is like, is Jalen Hurts the guy? But you know what? This year, I don't. I based on the rest of the division, I don't think he has to be the guy. Just don't be the one who puts your team in bad spots all the time. Don't be that guy. <laughs> yeah, don't be that guy. Exactly. Doesn't have to be the guy, but don't be that guy. Exactly. All right. I guess we go to the north. Yep. <laughs> My notes here are real simple. See above. Does number 12 <laughs> still play for the Packers? Still rock, still rocking longer hair with some semblance of a porn mustache? Still dating complete wackadoo females? If so, all systems go for the Packers to win the di- division again for the 50th year in a row. Yeah, I, I it's the Packers. And you got to look at their schedule. So here's a funny thing. I think the Packers record-wise might be better than last year. But the team might not be better than last year. Their their schedule is really easy this year, and I know they lost Devontae Adams, but that defense is pretty stout um, when it comes to rushing the passer. And the secondary is loaded, so I think you know maybe they just win a little a little differently, kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains, but I still think having Aaron Rodgers uh, under center is going to be enough of an X factor for them to easily win that division. Un- unquestionably. Uh, listen, the offense is going to take a step back. It is. And I think you're going to see a lot more predicated on the running game, right? So that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to do Aaron Rodgers S things in his 38 year old season or whatever it is. And there's going to be growing pains with the wide receivers, but on paper, they've gotten a lot better on defense too. And you're right. I'm looking at their schedule right now and they're like, where do you see the losses? Like it does a couple, but like, I mean, they they're by weeks, not till week 14, but I mean, like you listen, you got Chicago twice. You got Detroit twice. I mean, Buffalo at Buffalo could be a loss Um, at Tampa Bay. They struggle down there. Um, but they'll need some firepower. And I have them at that, th- I have them at thirteen and four. Yeah, so you have them probably losing against L.A., Buffalo, Tampa, and then I don't I don't know uh, maybe maybe te- maybe well they're home against Tennessee maybe Tennessee. Um, I don't know. I just I just couldn't see them going. Uh, 14 and three. So I probably just threw another one in there. Well, what'd they go last year? 14 and three. Did they? 
Hold on, I'll tell you. I think they went, or they might have gone thirteen and four. So the one, two, three, four losses. So they okay, went thirteen so. and four, and one of them was week eighteen against Detroit in a meaningless game that Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Yeah, I'm, this offense is going to be interesting because I really think that they're going to see a lot of two back sets because, all right, Aaron Rodgers, there's some disconnect with his receivers, so you're going to want to get Aaron Jones out there, um, you know, because he's a good pass catcher, right? Oh yeah. So so and Aaron Rodgers saying earlier this week that they just want the best 11 on the field. They don't care what position they play. So I have a hard belief, a hard time believing that A.J. Dillon is the one of their best 11 from an offensive standpoint. So I think both running backs are going to be on that field often. A.J. Dillon needs to be on that field. And he needs to be on that field because he's a tempo setter, right? Like he's a bruiser. And if, if, yeah. and if you have them both on the field at the same time, you open up your options. I mean – Aaron Jones plays like a wide receiver with the ball yeah. in his hands. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And then so now it's like, I don't know what they're gonna do. Like, so you're gonna see a lot of them it's on gonna the field like, the It's gonna be like it's gonna be it's gonna be something interesting. Like <laughs> yeah. Something they haven't they haven't seen in a while. But the moral of the story is it's Green Bay's division for the foreseeable future. I agree. All right. So let that saves the the best for last. And you know what? I'll even let oh, you'll let me do the honors. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know how much this pains me to say probably more than any listener can ever imagine. I too feel the same way about the NFC West that I do the AFC West. It's likely that three teams find the playoffs again from this division, especially in a not so stacked NFC in the first place. But when it, what it all boils down to, it's the Los Angeles Rams. It's the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, There's nothing that tells me they got, increasingly worse do i think they're missing a few like you know like hey von miller not back yeah sure do they lose a free agent or two yeah sure robert wood's gone i think that hurts more than people are giving credit to but hey you can on paper sniff out and say hey they brought alan robinson in right i think they're two totally different players but you know stafford's still there um i do think i, I like their running game to improve based on health uh, of cam Akers. right a full off season I mean, we saw what Cooper Cup was capable of last year. We all know what Aaron Donald's capable of. Yes, we know. Um, Jalen Ramsey, the defense is there. But, like, it's hard for me to say that this team coming off of – and I think the world of Sean McVay. I just – I do. Like, you know I'm a Shanahan guy, and but you – like, McVay is a, is a board wonder as well. And he's going to get creative. He's going to get scrappy. Now, that being said, what makes this an interesting – so my prediction is the LA Rams, but I do think there's some things that can rock the boat a little bit. Keep in mind, not only do these teams all play each other, just like the AFC West does. We also have the AFC West on everybody's schedule. That's a brutal schedule, man. So it gets, it gets physical. It gets hairy. Anything can happen. I think the only thing that might rock the boat is if Trey Lance ascends quickly. Right. Like if, if that all of a sudden starts looking like, wow, this guy's a pretty good player and doesn't have to be great yet. And I don't expect him to be great in his first full season as a starter. But if he's a little bit better than advertised, like what you saw, like glimpses of last year, you know, the 49ers. And this is not a homer statement are still a very talented football team that are plenty capable. And let's also, yes, they lost the one that mattered the most, the NFC uh, championship game to the Los Angeles Rams. 
But over the last three years, Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay. Even in that loss in, in the NFC Championship game, that was the 49ers game that they gave away. They had a 10-point lead and essentially just couldn't put it away and gave it away. So that still lingers. Um, that's myself making myself feel a little bit better, but this is it's the Los Angeles Rams division to lose. I am 100%. Wow, we're like off, off eight, eight divisions. Yeah, we're in lockstep here. So I'm 100%. I agree with you. I think it's going to be the Rams. And I do think, yes, they had, you know, they lost Von Miller, but they got Bobby Wagner and I know completely different positions, but you're still adding another talented player uh, to that defense. A, vet, uh, a, a veteran, talented, proven winner, Super Bowl champion, Bobby yeah, Wagner. So maybe they'll be better because they got, they got eat up over the middle last yeah. year. Uh, especially by the 49ers. So maybe Bobby Wagner kind of patrols the, uh, patrols the middle. Uh, maybe they don't have as much as pass rush, but they'll have a little more uh, security in the middle of the field. Uh, like you said, I love the fact Alan, as, uh, adding Allen Robinson, even more so than Robert Woods. I know Robert Woods is good in the run game uh, but as a run blocker, but I think Allen Robinson brings more to the table from a passing stamp, from a receiving standpoint. Uh, a little nervous about their offensive line. You know, their offensive line, I think it is a little suspect, but I'm going to agree with you. There is a concern here or not concern, but there is a, there's a caveat. You see, you're saying if Trey Lance ascends, I don't think that's the caveat in my honest opinion. In my honest opinion. I think what's going on with Matthew Stafford's elbow. That's the concerning factor. Um, the fact that he's having issues right now, and it's like week two of camp. Uh, you still got to play like 17 games and, yeah. I think that's the concerning issue, even though um, – Especially when doctors have said this is not a common thing for – I agree, but they also, they, you know, they also said Dr. Chow, uh, who um, is like a well-renowned uh, you know, uh, former you know, NFL doctor, he said this shouldn't be a huge issue, but you're right, it is rare. But I'm sorry, man. Um, if you're having problems now and you're not really getting hit and Stafford gets hit, he stays in that pocket, man. He's tough. Uh, and so I'm I'm sorry. Um, that that is the concern I would have. If I'm a Rams fan, and where things can go awry really quick. But I agree with you. So uh, let's. I'll do a recap on from the Be- NFC. Hold up, before we recap, okay. I'm going to use this moment as platform to for a cautionary tale because you mentioned something that I think is very very relevant. That the 49ers success against the Rams in the past has been predicated on play over the middle, specifically play action, quick slants, right? Exploiting that middle. 49er fans, you are hearing it first. It's going to be different games against the Rams because it just so happened to be the strength of our quarterback in those games is where they were the weakest, right? Was over the middle, and that's where the weakest. It's a different ball game when Trey Lance is under center, and I don't think he's experienced and seasoned enough. Like, exploiting the middle of a field is a difficult ask for a quarterback, right? Like, you're thrown in traffic, you're doing certain things, there's a lot of congestions, mistakes can happen. But for whatever reason, Jimmy was his most accurate there, right? Like, it's where he excelled more than he did in the other areas of the field. Trey Lance is going to want to air that ball out. You're going to be looking at 15, 16-yard dig routes. You're going to be looking at certain things, and that kind of plays into the strengths of the Rams' defense, right? It does. Like now yes. you have to attack Jalen Ramsey, right? Now exactly. you got to attack those safeties. That's a scary proposition. And also, mind you, I, I, like no secrets here, 
And if you're if any 49ers fan who's not willing to admit this, this is not the same offensive line. I don't know if we're playing bully running ball. It's going to be more disguise and scheme running the football. Like we all joke, dude, and you can go back and watch it for over the last three years, the 49ers have done a pretty good job of taking Aaron Donald out of the football game. Right. And doing it with like people like Daniel Brunskill. I don't know if that's the case right now. That's the weakest part of this line is right up the middle. You, you know how I, you know how I feel. I've been saying this for months now. Yep. Uh, uh, if I'm a 49ers fan, my most I'm, I'm extremely concerned with the interior offensive line and how that could affect uh, the play of Trey Lance. So I agree with you. I, I do think what the difference is is like if if the interior of our offensive line was this bad and Jimmy was under center, nightmare. Nightmare. Yes, no mobility. He doesn't step up in the pocket. I now, think it's just a, now it's just a bad dream. Yeah. Trey masks <laughs> some of that because yeah. he's elusive enough to get around and he'll take off. Right. Yeah. Like, but what I loved about what I've been watching him so far is even when he's moving forward, his head is still up looking downfield before he decides to run. So he's not your traditional running quarterback who's like, broke down, I'm gone. Right. Like, still looking for the big play. And to me, that shows um, some of his maturity. And I like that. But I wanted to come out and say that because I'm not a naive 49ers fan. This is still a super talented team, probably a playoff team, right? And, and can make waves this year, but there, there are holes. And what I wanted to call out and why I edged the Rams over the 49ers is because, you know, the last few years you felt like you can go into those Rams game, even if you were noticed and be like, I, I feel pretty good about like, even if you were nervous, like I feel pretty good about this. Like we might sweep them. And those are two wins in your bucket. Like it's a 50, 50 split now, you know, in my opinion. So, all right. So recap the winners. So the recap of the NFC uh, division winners we have in the NFC South, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC East. We got the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC North. We got the Green Bay Packers and out in the NFC West. We got the Los Angeles Rams. So this is a first at the We're Talking Football podcast that we in a single segment, we agree on every single point. We may have different logic, logic that got us to those conclusions, but the conclusions are exactly the same. So now let's get into where hey, we Wesson, have, yeah. have Hey, Wesson, let's fuck that up right now. Yeah, yeah. And let's, and let's talk about our play, the remaining playoff teams outside of those four teams. All right. So are, are you going to – are you just going to name them or are you going to like – like place them like what seed they're gonna have. I have, you know me. I got, I got them placing seeds. Me too. I went deep. Oh, me okay. Too. Me too. All right. So uh, let's. You want to stay in the AFC or we'll go to AFC? Uh, we can stay in the NFC. All right. Uh, so you can go first again. All right. So my one seed is the Green Bay Packers, just based on their schedule. My two seed is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My three seed is the LA Rams. My four seed is the Philadelphia Eagles. My five seed. San Francisco 49ers. My sixth seed is the Minnesota Vikings. And my seventh seed is the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. All right. So in the NFC, I have as the one seed, one seed, the Green Bay Packers. The two seed, the Los Angeles Rams. The three seed, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The four seed, the Philadelphia Eagles. The five seed, the San Francisco 49ers. The sixth seed, the Dallas Cowboys. The seven seed, the New Orleans Saints. The Aints. Okay, so I wanted to say something about one of the teams you had in there, the Arizona Cardinals. 
I find it interesting with all the drama that they have going on that you would have them in the playoffs, especially being in a hard division. Um, I don't see it happening. Now, you might want to re- then say, hey, wait a minute, Lou. We're just kind of bashing the Cowboys a second ago. How the hell do you have them in the playoffs? Schedule. They do play the Giants twice and the Commanders twice. Yeah. That's four games right there. And they'll split yeah. with Philly. Yeah, so that's five right there. And I think what's really going to happen, I wish we could, you got to like pin this, earmark this, whatever you want to do to this. This is going to be a different Dallas team. Their defense is going to be really good. Their defense is going to be fast. They're going to be, they're, they're going to be attacking. And we've always, you know, in the last like 15 years, you never really see a Dallas defense like that. It's always been the offense. It's always been predicated on the offense. I think their offense is going to struggle. I think the defense is going to carry them. Yeah, they got I, a lot of talent on that defense, man. They got like four or five defensive ends that can bring that heat. Uh, they got the linebackers that can play. Uh, they got some, you know, they got some speed in the secondary too. I think we're overlooking that. I, I, I'm not overlooking it. I am a bigger believer in their front seven than them. I am in their defensive backfield. I oh, yes. honestly think Trayvon Diggs is overhyped. And, and listen, easy for me to say, sitting in my freaking basement, talking with you on a podcast, that an NFL player is overhyped. He had a phenomenal statistic year last year, but it was go big or go home for him, right? And listen, I know it's only preseason, but I, you you see plenty of tape. When you're a big-name player, people are looking to exploit you in the sense of, like, can't wait for you to make one mistake, and we're going to take advantage of it and nationally advertise it. But he – I mean, dude, he's he's getting burned. He's still got a lot, a lot to learn, a lot to go. Now, I Listen, do agree he, with you. He, the front seven is going to be ferocious, see, and Micah Parsons is a savage. Yeah, he, he uh, Diggs does gamble, and I get that, and that's why he's susceptible to big plays. But with that front seven applying pressure, I still think he'll get some big plays because of that. He doesn't have to stay in coverage long. No, the ball's coming out quick, right? So if he no. guesses right, it's it 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 could go to the house, right? Yeah. But like. Mm-hmm. You got to guess right. And, um, you know, last year, what I mentioned before, the ball bounces funny ways and it doesn't often very few times, very few times. Do you see a corner who might have seven, eight picks in a year, come back and do it again next year? It just bounces differently, man. Did you want Um, to question me about my Saints pick, too? I kind of felt like um, I was between two teams there. Give me what. So what were the two? Like, if it wasn't the Saints, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota is still a talented football team. And Justin Jefferson is an absolute animal. They they look they're a sexy football team. However, I don't think there is talent. I don't like the talent as much as maybe you do. I don't think they're as deep. And I think they're more one sided. Uh, That defense is not what it used to be, to be honest with you. Um, I'm looking at this New Orleans Saints team. It's got to be based off schedule. No, uh, looking at they have they have a, you know Camara apparently is not going to get suspended this year. They did a good job adding, you know, skill position players in the wide receiver Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Jar- Jarvis Landry. Even though I'm not a big believer on Landry, say, but you if love he's your, if Landry, he, don't you? No, I hate Landry. But if he's your third, though, yeah, 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 different if expectations. Your, if he's your third. Uh, so their offensive line is still good. I know they lost Armstead, they, uh, but they replaced him with Penning. I'm not saying he's the same, but it's not a no-name guy out there. There will be some growing pains and what have you. So there's still a phys- they're going to be a physical offense. And the defense is still loaded, man. It's a little older and longer in the tooth. I get it. But they've they've added talent on that defense. Marcus May, uh, you know, uh, uh, Honey Badger. I'm sorry. That defense is still pretty damn loaded. Uh, so I find, and they guess what? 
who else? Who did they play uh, uh, twice? Panthers twice, Atlanta twice. And I know our boy Craig when he's saying those games are different. I, I, Atlanta, I get it, but Atlanta, uh, they're, they're divulge of talent. We got to bring Dwayne on here so he can yeah. tell tell us a little bit more I about the it. NFC South battles. I'm, listen, I'm not disputing it at all. I just I draw the line at Jameis Winston being the quarterback. Yeah, as long as he just hands off the ball a couple, you know they did that. Got to think about it, they were, they were in contention in the playoffs with Taysom Hill as yeah. quarterback, yeah, and that guy. But so I so my my justification for the Arizona Cardinals, I don't feel like I have to justify the Vikings. It's the division that they play in. Yeah, the I, yeah. not yeah. terrible. But for the Cardinals, is they do this to you year after year. They start on fire. They ain't going to start on fire without Hopkins. (laughs) Yeah, but it's usually enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually enough. And if I remember correctly, and you know what? I want to, I want to, I'm basing this off of loose facts, but I want to say they don't really get into the division. So they have one. I have the Arizona Cardinals. They have one division game in the first eight weeks. I have I have the Arizona Cardinals winning seven games. Okay, but they do start home against Kansas City at Las Vegas, oh. home against the Rams. But then they go Carolina, Dude, Philly. But then they go Carolina, Philly, Seattle, New Orleans, Minnesota, Seattle again. I don't see any. I see well, two Seattle games there. <laughs> like that's all I see. Nah, they got Carolina. Carolina. Okay, that's three. <laughs> I mean, listen, we're saying Philadelphia is going to win their division. We're not saying Philadelphia is a bunch of freaking studs. It's a winnable football game. Okay. Um, so we'll right. see. All right. Let's go to AFC. AFC. Um, you want me just to rattle? Yeah, go ahead. One seed, I got the Buffalo Bills. Two seed, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. Three, I have Baltimore Ravens. Four is Indy. Five is the Los Angeles Chargers. Six is the Las Vegas Raiders. And then seven, I was tossed up. I'm going I think I'm gonna I had two teams written in here. I'm gonna land with the Tennessee Titans. And that's gonna be division based. That's gonna be um I mean again this was a team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year and I do think that was what how they needed to capitalize. But I think based on their division, their schedule some of their schedule, they'll have enough to get in. Okay, interesting. So for me, uh, one, I got uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills, the first seed. Uh, for the second seed, I got uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting. Uh, you can tell I'm all in on the Ravens. Three, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. The reason why I have the Chiefs a three, because I do think, I mean, they're going the to have to The division record. It's going to yeah. be the division record. It's a, it's it, a gauntlet. It really, yeah. Four, I got the Indianapolis Colts. Five, I got the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, six, I got the Los Angeles Chargers. And seven, it's interesting. The only reason why I, ha- I have this team, I was between two teams, and I did the playoff predictor. You know, I-, I told you from that website. These two teams had the same exact record. Don't know. I guess whoever I picked, like, what games they're going to win, they must have just had a better conference record. I had the Denver Broncos edging out the Los Angel- Las Vegas Raiders for the seventh seed. Yeah, I, listen, I, I mean, all four teams could be playoff teams on paper, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I've never seen that happen before, so I don't foresee that ever happening. I'm just not on the – call it my hatred for Russell Wilson, call it whatever. Again, 
you do it off predictors. I do it off of gut, and my gut is just like I know we've always talked about. My, I think my cat's downstairs. I don't know if you can. Yeah, hear I, I think in the yeah. background. <laughs> we got a third on. We're talking football. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's denim. Everyone, um, eight, eighteen, all eighteen-year-old cat just blindly wandering my house right now. But um, I just am not on the. I know like going into last season, we talked about like they're a quarterback away. They're a quarterback away, but there's just something I can't get out of my head that I watched a lot of last year. And like at the end of last season, like Russ just wasn't the same. And the biggest thing for me is the kink in the armor. Like finally a guy, like I know he's played hurt, but has never missed games and finally missed games last year. And there's just something about it. And I think what puts it over the edge for me, because if it wasn't going to be the Raiders in that six seed, it was probably going to be the Broncos in that six seed. But what puts it over is maybe just my infatuation and excitement to see this, this Derek Carr, Devontae Adams come to fruition. Because what I think Devontae Adams does, is he statistically going to do what he did in Green Bay? No, I don't believe he does. But what he does do is, like, think about the weapons in Las Vegas prior to Devontae's arrival. Hey, if we could take Darren Waller out of the game, we're probably all right. And then Hunter Renfro is scrappy. Like, okay, we're going to try to take Darren Waller out of the game and leave Devontae Adams wide open? Can't do that, right? Like, you try to take Devontae out, Waller's in single coverage. Renfro will eat up the middle of your football field. He will eat it up, man. Like, he just – Dude is a stud it's, wide receiver, slot wide receiver. He just is, you know, like the offense is going to look different. So I wish you would have seen me as, as I'm writing my notes or typing my notes. I changed the Broncos and Raiders back and forth, regardless of what I did from the playoff uh, prediction. Because my gut says the Raiders will get the seventh seed because that team is so talented. But from a schedule standpoint, I feel like, and also the Raiders' offensive line not being good, and they are a really talented team, the Raiders, but they're extremely thin. They lose someone. Like, they don't have – there's, like, literally no one behind anyone from a depth standpoint, and especially on that defense. So that is where the issue lies with me is if someone gets banged up, I think this is a, I think the Broncos is a safer pick, but like I said, I was tossing and turning on this Raiders Raiders Broncos. Earmark this at the the one the one hour and two minute point in this show. I say, I'll tell you what games will actually determine who makes it into the playoffs, and it'll be both of these games against both of these teams against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers typically have owned the Raiders, former Bay Area rivals, et cetera. So I don't I think they go into that game with confidence. S- Russell Wilson has traditionally owned the San Francisco 49ers. And there's just that thing, that that stigma. And, and so, the Broncos got a good O-line, they got a good running game. So if if the Broncos beat the 49ers and the Raiders lose to the 49ers, that'll be the win that separates who decides who makes the playoffs. All right, all right, so all right. You heard it here first. Who who are you going? Who's going to the Super Bowl, Lou? Oh, I mean, I am doing my <clears throat> Chris Berman uh, best take, and once again, the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Nobody circles, circles the wagons the wagon <laughs> like the Buffalo Bills. I have the Buffalo Bills facing off against Green Bay, <laughs> and I have just like I had last year. I'm I'm sticking with it. 
I'm going to keep on picking the Buffalo Bills versus Green Bay, and I say the Bills win the Super Bowl this year. All right. Uh, I, too, I was so tempted to, like, do you remember, like, how many years in a row Chris Berman picked the Buffalo Bills to play the San Francisco 49ers? Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, nine seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. I was just so tempted to do that just for, like, optics. Uh, but I do have the Buffalo Bills, and I have them facing the Los Angeles Rams, and I have the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. All right. So sticking on team front, mm-hmm. Lou, what's the who is going to be the most surprising team from a positive lens for you this year? Uh, you shouldn't let me go first because I don't know who your team is, but if I'm a betting man. I'm putting money on this. It's your second favorite team in the NFL. Damn it, dude. <laughs> I have the Detroit Lions. And oh let me my let God. me let, it's gonna be a surprising team this year. And let me state my case. All right. Yep. They are in a weak NFC. They've done a good job adding some blue chip talent in the draft. Right? The, you know, yep. I love the fact James uh James Win- uh Williams, Jameson Williams, they added uh Hutchinson. Uh, love those. And they've done a great job with the draft. They have a good offensive line, right? It's always important. They have some playmakers. They had a DJ Chark. That you know they have Amon Ron Saint Brown. Now later on in the year they'll have Williams or Williamson, and they have uh, the tight end as well. So they're loaded from a skill position. I know they don't, you know, the, the quarterback, you know, is to be desired, but it's a system that he's familiar with. He can be protected. He's shown that. He can be a backseat driver and let everyone else do the work for him. They got two good running backs, and their defense is kind of feisty. So, and you got to love what the coach brings. I I love the defensive coordinator and Aaron Glenn out there in Detroit. So, I'm saying Detroit Lions. Yeah, I should have went first. Um... I don't even have a backup because I was so emphatic about this. Normally, I would just you say, don't have to have a backup. Don't have a backup. Uh, it, it's the Detroit Lions. Listen, they're not yeah. making the playoffs anytime soon. No, but if forget the additions that they made, I, I keep making this point where I feel like I'm a broken record. I'm getting rather redundant right now about the ball bounces funny ways. These guys were in a lot of football games last year. And I know they what they finished with three wins. I think th- dude, three. they could have easily finished with six or seven. Easily, easily. The like, Ravens game. I don't know a couple other games. I mean, what did Justin Tucker kick the longest field goal ever in the game? Right, like the Steelers game, like Steelers that. Game. Like that was like Steelers were like begging them to win the game, and they couldn't find a way to do it. Um, and I feel like they've only gotten better on paper. Uh, you might laugh, but I feel like. The them being on hard knocks, like is building camaraderie for this team. Is this is this year two or three of Dan Campbell? I think it's year two. Um, another year in the the regime. Love the head coach. I too am a big fan of Aaron Glenn and what he's what he does on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so Detroit Lion fans, and I only know two of you. I actually only know two, two more of than you. I know. Yeah. Um, if they played the same brand of football that they played last year, I see this team team winning seven, potentially eight football games this year. And coming from three last year, that's an ascending football team at the right time. You never know when it's going to be Aaron Rodgers last season. And if the Packers disappoint and he can't get over the hump again, they don't get into a Super Bowl or he doesn't win a Super Bowl for all my money. This is it 
for him, right? And this is the time you want to be ascending where things like this will get you back to the Scott Mitchell, Herman Moore, Barry Sander days of when the team was actually a playoff. Brett Perriman, like a I, I just pulled out Brett Perriman on you. I know that's impressive. impressive. That is Rashad, Rashad Perriman's father, just so we're being clear here. That's how long Lou and I have been watching football. But you're going to get back to, you know, Chris Spielman, like those days. This is kind of what that this football team reminds me of. Just like like what their city represents, just blue collar, blue chip, like and they're doing it all at the right time. And for me, it's, it is unquestionably the Detroit Lions will impress this year. I had them winning seven games, seven to okay. ten. I put seven to eight games this year. Yeah, yeah, so. All right, let me go disappointing team first so that, like, God forbid, like, we're the same again. Dude, if we – what a boring episode if we're the same all the way throughout. I have I have two for disappointing. Okay, so. good. Um, for me, it's going to be the Tennessee Titans. That was one. I'm, okay, <laughs> yeah. So, I – disappointment, like – let me set the proper expectations around this. I just told you that I actually have the Tennessee Titans making the playoffs, right? As that final seed in the AFC. And a fan would say, how can that be disappointing? Well, that's disappointing when you were 13 and four last year, or I think even 14 and three in the number one seed and should have beat the Cincinnati Bengals to advance further into the playoffs. Like that was a game that you should have absolutely won so many like mind boggling decisions in that game. Again, this is brings me back to Cincinnati on like, like you're not getting that same, you're getting everybody's best game now. You know what I mean? Like nobody's taking you light anymore, et cetera. I just, I think Tennessee squeaks in and I think it has everything to do with the division and the schedule that they're, they will play. Uh, but the reality is, is like, they're not going to be the one seed and you know, the, the roster, like feels yes there's like key players but it feels like somewhat similar you know like um you know minus the aj brown a couple of people here and there like you can't even argue julio because he wasn't even on the field for you at all last year anyway um but to me they're they're primed to disappoint and the disappointing team the disappointing element of this is the fact that like i'm a big fan of mike rabel i i would i would hire him as my head coach any day any day of the week. I love this brand of football, et cetera. But to go from first in your conference, and we and we always talk about how the AFC is stacked this year. They were stacked last year too, right? So to be the number one seed um, and then to potentially maybe squeak in, potentially miss the playoffs, like that's disappointing. Um, I won't, you know, go too much into, you know, more detail, but I agree with you 100%. I have. I think the Tennessee Titans this year are going to be extremely inconsistent, and it's going to be reflective in their in their record. I have them winning eight games, eight and nine, and that is an inconsistent team. It's not a bad team, but that is a disappointing t- for to miss the playoffs when only eight games, uh, being from the one seed. You know, I think we're just being a dead horse here, and I don't want Peter to get on us. So I think I just want to say pretty much uh, that was my number one. However, I always come prepared, Weston. So I have a backup. I normally have seven backups. I didn't this time because I was like, nah, he's not going to pick this team. (laughs) So, I mean, um, I had the Arizona Cardinals being a disappointing team. You want to talk about disappointing? Uh, Way too much drama going on this offseason. They lost Chandler Jones. Hopkins suspended six games. Uh, You got got the shit that's going on with Kyler Murray. Um, 
I'm sorry. You got Marquise Brown getting arrested for speeding, you know, for for speeding. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just, there's just way too much drama. This talent, the team did not get more talented in the offseason, if you want my ask, if you want my honest opinion, you know. Um, <clears throat> and I just feel like, I'm sorry, uh, in the loaded NFC West division, I think they're going to seriously regress. I don't even have, obviously, we stated before, but I don't have them making the playoffs. And I think the record I gave them, like I said, seven wins, seven and 10. And that is disappointing, especially compared where they were last year. And I'm also not a believer in, you know, Kingsbury. You know, I'm sorry. Um, the offense is feast or famine, looks clunky at times, not like bunched up, but it just looks out of rhythm so many times. And I'm just not a fan of Kingsbury. Yeah, I think the mantra that follows Kingsbury is the late season collapses. It's been following him since college. Everywhere mm-hmm. he goes, um, the air raid offense has never really taken off. I'd feel, you know, on paper, like, yes, Chandler losing Chandler Jones um, hurts. Um, I think even losing Chase Edmonds hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but then before the D-hop suspension, which really hurts, yes. um, the D-hop suspension – you felt like they could potentially get better on the offensive side of the ball because I absolutely believe Marquise Brown is an upgrade over Christian Kirk. But we knew, though, they got uh, Brown after the Hopkins suspension. So if they Correct. got Brown, if they if they got Brown while Hopkins was like still instated, I'm like, yeah, here we go. That's kind of cool. But they got that because of you know pretty much the pair at Murray with his former uh, co- collegiate teammate. Yeah, um, dude, quick side note, though. I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you have. We're both on Twitter. Did, have you seen – I'm going to call it a meme or a, a gif or whatever it is of somebody showing Kyler Murray working how hard in the offseason. Have you seen this? The little the shoelaces? And it's J.J. Watt's shoelaces. I'm sorry. Yeah. That shit's funny from an outside perspective, but it also makes me mad because it's like, listen, at the end of the day Ky- – Kyler Murray is a world-class athlete, world-class. Like, he could choose his sport that he wants to play. And I'm like, do we really need to add fuel to anybody's fire? You know what I'm I not, mean? Like, I'm not worried about Kyler I worry Murray about that, man. Bro, the NFL is all about locker room material. Don't yeah. give people locker room material. I, I, I hear you, man, but come on. He's been hearing those. I am I never was a big Murray guy. See, I, I listen, you want to know why I love Kyler Murray? Want to know why I love him? Because he came out of the blue to be the number one overall pick so that the 49ers landed Nick Bosa. <laughs> Everything that year said Nick Bosa was the number one overall pick. And then, like quarterbacks always do, they found one to rise, and it was like Kyler Murray. And for that – Damn it. Yeah, I remember that draft too. And He'll be one of my favorite players in the NFL forever. I remember, you know, there was some smoke with Quinn and Williams and Bosa. And, yep. like, yo – <laughs> the 49ers do their fans dirty, man. You cannot do anything simple. Like, no. I mean, everyone knew it was Murray, you know, and yeah. then like, then they had to throw some more, uh, you know, you know, smoke screens that it could have been Quinn and Williams. And I'm not a big Quinn and Williams guy. And I'm like, it has to be Bosa. But I remember you all being up in arms with Quinn, you know, with the possibility of being Quinn and Williams. But that's funny as hell. All right, so that that's uh yeah, that is my disappointing team, the Arizona Cardinals. All right, so let's go through the player awards. Let's switch to players now. 
So again, we're going to do MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Our, I'm calling it, there he is, and we'll explain it when we get to it. And then the free agent, that's probably the free agent acquisition in the offseason that's most likely, in my words, most likely to implode yeah. and, and not equate to, to value. So do you want to do you want to start with the rookies or do you want to start with the MVP and work our way down? Uh, dealer's choice. You go ahead. I'll start with the rookies. Okay. And you know me, I love defense. So I'll start mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. Who's your defensive rookie of the year? This one was another hard one for me. And whoever it's going to be, the defensive rookie of the year will reside in New Jersey. I was between two guys. It was Ama, I was uh, Sauce Gardner. But I feel like it's hard for cornerbacks to win defensive rookie of the year. Got to do what Trayvon Diggs did last year. Yeah. Get it. So um, I had to pivot. Even though I, I know I love Sauce Gardner. I think it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. I thought he was the best player in the draft, to be honest with you. And I don't know why, but the NFL has this, this stigma against Oregon players, talking like trash about them all the time. And they're Sewell. You know, when he first came out, uh, there was almost there's all this, you know, Herbert now Kayvon Thibodeau. If you look at it, he's an edge rusher, which is huge because pass rushers do have a tendency of winning these things. They've won seven over the last 10 years. So he meets that criteria. Right. Um, he's in the NFC. East. So outside of the Eagles, he faces some weak offensive line units and uh, two against the Washington Commanders, two against the Dallas Cowboys. And I just feel like from a talent standpoint, um, I, I just think, like I said, he was the most talented, but obviously has some off-the-field issues. I'm saying that, you know, mockingly, but I think it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, so funny because one of my – I had two names here to be prepared just in case in this instance, and one of mine also plays in the AF, in the NFC East um, in Jordan Davis, somebody that I, I like. I, I just think, <clears throat> you know, playing alongside Fletcher Cox, like he's going to get – uh, a lot of single team matchups. He's a he's a physical specimen. But my reality is is uh, I'm going to stick with my theme earlier. For me, it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, an edge rusher out of Detroit. And I just think I think with them, this is going to sound a little crazy, but with them being on hard knocks, cashes casts a national spotlight on a team for a short period, and fans become infatuated. I think Aiden Hutchinson is the epitome of what Detroit needs and what Dan Campbell wants. Just all motor. Is he the most skilled and most talented? No, but playing in that division against some of those offensive lines, um, especially when I think about playing Minnesota and, and playing Chicago, I just I think he's even Green Bay's offensive line's gotten a little bit weaker and uncertainty. Like is um, what's his face? Who's their left? Who is their left tackle? Why am I drawing a blank? Bakhtiari. Like is he even back? You know, at the end of the season injury, um, and. It's, it usually comes down to, like, what positions have the most spotlight, and it's usually the edge rusher. So I, I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson. He's going to be a defensive rookie of the year. All right. Do you want to go offensive first, being yeah, the I went defense? Yeah, I'll go offensive rookie of the year. Okay. Um, you mentioned this individual earlier in one of your segments, and unfair expectations up and down. Um, so I'm just going to continue to beat the drum for the guy that I've been beating the drum for all offseason coming into the draft. And for me, it's going to be Traylon Burks. Um, typically offensive rookie of the years are either quarterbacks or wide receivers is what it comes down to. I don't think there's a quarterback 
a rookie quarterback who's going to get enough touch this year. Kenny Pickett probably is the outlier, but not a full season to warrant that. Kenny Pickett was my backup plan just in case here. So can I can I can I yeah. throw my hat in the ring with the Kenny Pickett talk? You're right. It's usually quarterbacks or receivers. Every now and then a running back. A running back comes onto the steam. But like yeah. I think the the big spotlight running back, like Brees Hall, plays for the Jets, man. Yeah. And like their offenses, I don't know yet. Yeah. You know? So Kenny Pickett could receive the Mac Jones treatment, like Mac Jones did last year. Possible rookie of the year. I'm like, what are people watching? Because he's a he'll be an efficient quarterback that leads a winning team. Yeah. Right. I'm like, but when you really compare last year Mac Jones to Jamar Chase, it wasn't even close. But for some reason, Mac Jones up until the you know, end of the year um, was it was close. So I think Kenny Pickett could have that effect. Yeah, and I, I think the like the statistics won't warrant it, and I don't think Kenny Pickett will even be asked to do those things, right? Yeah, to but go people for associate yards. Yeah, yeah, people associate Wait. quarterback. Uh, stat as a uh, wins as a quarterback stat, so yeah, and I know how you feel about that, but for me, it's gonna be Traylon Burks. The reason why I think it's Traylon Burks, um, the replacement of AJ, AJ Brown, Brown. Yeah. and it's gonna be about targets, it's gonna be about volume. I think they're gonna, while I think Traylon's best suited to be outside the numbers, and even though he's not a blazing speed guy, he somehow gets this like separation and, and plays with his body really well. I think he's going to play closer to the line of scrimmage and he's going to have to become a safety net for Tannehill. I think it bodes even well for him if somehow Malik Willis squeaks into that offense. Um, if, you know, if, if Tannehill doesn't feel like he's at least treading water and he continues to descend, I think Malik Willis finds his way in there. And my vote would be Traylon Burks is your offensive rookie of the year. I'm going to tell you right now, Weston, you're either going to look ridiculously smart when we look back at this or you're going to look like a goddamn fool. Because you're really doubling down the Traylon Burks, uh, you know, uh, yeah. hype. So I am, and and bro, he's talented. I know, I know. He I just hate, I just hate so where he went. Talented. I just hate where he went. And I'll tell you right now, when I was trying to do this offensive rookies of the year, um, I hated where a lot of these players went because it's hard. It's hard to like see him like, oh, that guy's definitely going to be like, you know, break out or what have you. So yeah, so I kind of had the same mentality as you. Uh, I was looking for a quarterback. I'm like, yeah, does Pickett get the Mac Jones treatment? Nah. So I'm also staying at the same position as you are at the wide receiver position. I think this one might shock you, but hear me out here. I think the offensive rookie of the year will be Drake London. And let me tell you why. Numerous factors. If Matt Ryan was there, I'd, I'd agree with you hear me out. and I'd probably pick him. Hear me out. He has the opportunity, meaning uh, – He's not the number one. Like Traylon Burks is going to be, you know, kind of forced to be the number one. Everyone's going to be fixated on Kyle Pitts. However, there's not too many mouths to feed there. So I call that prime opportunity right there. There's someone else that people, defense is looking to stop. However, he still will have enough targets to, to wreak havoc. And also, I think he's going to have game flow on his side. You said Atlanta's defense has improved, it's still pretty damn bad. So they're always going to be trailing. So I'm, I'm, I'm. They're going to have to, you know, throw the ball. And you're like, oh, they're going to throw the ball, Mariota. Well, I didn't say maybe it was Mariota. You know, maybe it's you know, uh, you know, uh, Desmond Ritter. And last but not least, their running rushing attack is to be desired. It's not like they're going to be a, like a ground and pound team. They're not built like that. So I, you put all those things in the lab, and you get the next offensive rookie of the year in Drake London. 
I'd feel much more confident if I was more confident in the quarterback play down there than I than I am. But oh, listen, but you're but you're but you're, loving, huh, but you're loving Tannehill to Traylon Burks. <laughs> I love. I would prefer Tannehill over Marcus Mariota or some combination of Mariota or Desmond Ritter any day of the week. Okay. Um, hey, listen, I'm only picking your guy who you put as a top ten quarterback. In the NFL like, last season, did you or did you uh, not that, that confirm like two, this? That was like from two years ago. No, no, no that yeah. was going into last season, bro. We've only been doing this for a little over a year. So, and kids, that's why you don't do drugs. <laughs> drugs. <laughs> All right, so let's stay on the offensive side of the ball if you don't mind. All right, let's do it. Offensive player of the year. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. go. I'll go first, and you're gonna hate me. Yeah. Once again, I feel like I have a read on you, and that's why earlier before we recorded, I asked if you play poker because I wanted to get you in the game uh, that we're going to be having in about a month or so. But um, Justin Jefferson has to be just, just Justin Jefferson. Um, last year, Jefferson balled out, and they were a run-first team. Now bring over Kevin O'Connell from the Los Angeles Rams. I'm expecting more passing from the Minnesota Vikings. I'm expecting expecting more unique usage of Justin Jefferson, not just on the boundary as the X receiver, more in the slot. I think he's going to move all the way around. Justin Jefferson is your offensive rookie. I mean, uh, your offensive player of the year. Bro, you know I love Justin Jefferson. Yeah. everything about him. Um, I can't even argue with any of that logic whatsoever. I'll just tell you that you don't have the beat on me that maybe you thought you did going first. My offensive player of the year is Justin Herbert. Ah, uh, no, they never give – do they give offense? I feel like they always give the MVPs. No, no. Well, I have a different MVP, um, and there's a uh, reason DeHaan, why. I would love – we got to look back at this. Has there ever been an okay. offensive player and MVP, both quarterbacks? I feel like they never do that. So it, it's Justin Herbert, and he's – dude, statistically, he's going to light it up this year. Um, I almost – well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but – Herbert, I mean, dude, he is as advertised. We've been talking about it. I've been pounding the table for him for a long, long time. I'm no different than anybody else. I know you don't like, you don't think your team deserves nice things, but I think you're finally coming around that you have like a surefire thing. Um, I think what bodes well for him is defense has gotten better as well. So they're, they'll take more shots. They'll take more risk because they'll feel like their defense can bail them out. And I, you know, if I'm rolling the dice and this guy's the one throwing the ball, like I'm feeling really good about dialing up some big plays, some risky plays. Um, <clears throat> dude, he could have won offense player of the year last year. Yeah. Is what he did statistically. If he cates that, it, it's him. It's him all day. Um, that's my offensive player of the year, Justin Herbert. All right. All right. Defensive player of the year. I'll let you go first. I have two people, by the way. I have three. Um, pick pick your guy though. Pick your one. I don't, you know, just pick your guy. Or right. do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first, and I'll be controversial. Okay. Nick Bosa. That's not controversial. Nah, it I. I have to imagine that at least one of your guys is one of the other two guys that I had, but it's Bosa. I think every year he's just gotten increasingly better. Um, I think 
the 49ers defensive line is still deep, regardless of what people want to say. I know we lost DJ Jones, but maybe even getting Kinlaw back, Armstead in the middle, right? That frees up some bodies. Drake Jackson can be healthy. They're their rookie, their second round pick this year. He's an able body to put on that outside opposite of Bosa. That's going to require some attention. Um, and you start getting Bosa. Dude, I saw a clip today that just made me laugh. Um, Niners have the Vikings this weekend, so their joint practice was with the Vikings. And you can't touch the quarterback in these. Bosa had a series, I think it was like over like 10 snaps, where he would have had essentially six quarterback sacks, right, in like 10 snaps. And there's clips, dude, where like you you can't hit the quarterback. Like you just bump them, right? Like you can't even hit them in these types of practices. And dudes on the offensive line are still have him in chokeholds, right? Like even in a practice where he can't hurt your quarterback, you're treating it like a game. Um, I, I, I expect a big season out of Nick Bosa. And when I say big, my expectations are like, 17 18 sacks out of that mm-hmm. man this year and i think that's that that's enough if he gets that high that's enough i think he was in the conversation last year you yeah. know and he's in the conversation again this year that, that's not controversial whatsoever um it feels like a homer pick because he's like my guy you know but like, i didn't i didn't know you were even a niners fan my bad <laughs> uh anyways uh my two are controversial now yours is not controversial my two are controversial all right i'll tell you my my uh backup one first and then I had to, I had to refrain. I'm like, I'm just being a homer. All right. And I think you're going to know where I'm going with this. But originally I was going to say Derwin James. All right. And the reason being is because how they're going to utilize Derwin is completely different than what you've seen in the past. He's going to be closer to the line of scrimmage. You're not going to, we've alluded to this before in our other shows. You're not going to know if he's going to be coming off a of blitz, providing coverage zone, man to man, shutting down the, you know, the tight ends in the AFC West. Um, he, he can easily have like four interceptions, five sacks type of, you know, type of year. But then I started looking at history and the last time a safety won, it was back in 2010. We discussed this as well. When Troy Palomano, uh, Troy Palomano won it. He had seven interceptions and one sack, 63 tackles and six uh, tackles for a loss. So it's really hard. And over the last 10 years, Luke Keekley and Stefan Gilmore were the only other ones to win it that weren't rushers. Uh, I, I, I'm not just saying edge rushers because, you're incorporating Aaron Donald, who's a rush, the best rush. Yeah, for sure. so it's it's it's, ext- it's extremely rare, uh, you know, to win it if you're not a rusher. So, I'm sorry for this being long winded, but my controversial pick for defensive player of the year is actually going to be Micah Parsons. Hear me out. First of all, you know, it's been documented on this show how I said Parsons was like I think uh, the 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 third or fourth ranked prospect coming out of that draft. Uh, I was a huge fan of him. I went, I, I gushed over him. My, my, my combine report over him and everything. My scouting report w- was so in depth and everything I loved about him. But last year, the dude wasn't even a full-time edge rusher and had 13 sacks. He rushed 51% of the time and he got home over 21% of the time on his rushes. That is insanely efficient. Watching him, and I know this is, you know, I know this is, you know, that preseason uh, hype and what have you. Everyone's in the best shape of their lives and, you know, thanks to God and everything, all that stuff. But this guy, watching him in the joint practice with the Chargers, this guy, he, he's, he's, he's a man. And 
I, I think what he's going to provide, you know, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys defense is going to be quite unique, and you're going to see a monster year from him. Nah, I, I love it. Rock the boat. I want to go back to your Derwin thing because it was only a few episodes where I said on this show, yes, Dark that's true. Horse, for defensive player of the year because of those things, right? Like because of talent that you put around him on the defensive side of the ball, you can gamble with him more, right? Use him more Jamal Adams esque and get to the, you know, get to he's the ball a fantastic, carrier, the He's a fantastic blitzer. blitzer. Yeah. Uh, he times it well, doesn't get caught, overpowered. I've seen him push over offensive tackles, like bull yeah. rush offensive tackles. I think the thing, so my other person was like, it could have been a toss up. <coughs> forgive me between tj watt and miles garrett garrett i was leaning towards but it was dependent upon the deshaun watson suspension because you can like with those edge rushers like maybe you get a little bit more risky maybe you pin your ears back and go knowing that you have the quarterback that's capable to help you in like a shootout right so you're a little bit more risk adverse in that in in that so i was leaning towards him until the suspension became 11 games and then i was like this is going to be an indictment on the defense now like they're going to have to step up to carry them which means Garrett's going to have to play well, but can he just like solely be like a pass rusher or is he going to have to do everything well? But I love the Micah Parsons. I honestly, I, I can't disagree with anything. If I was going to be a negative Nancy in this particular instance, I think the only thing that might hurt him is how the Cowboys play collectively. Because again, these awards tend to be won for top players on top teams right is usually how it goes i think that defensive unit will be good though and he'll be the face of that defensive unit yeah i i I won't argue it all right so cream of the crop man who's your mvp all right so originally i was gonna you know say josh allen that was original that's what that was my first knee-jerk reaction but got a little i got a little gun shy uh because of the loss of brian dable uh, I don't think that can be underst- uh, under- understated uh, how of a major contributor from a, a play design and a play caller Brian Dable was and how much he really contributed to the success of Josh Allen. I know Ken Dorsey was his quarterback coach and he got promoted to offensive coordinator, but for some reason I'm still hesitant to make Allen my MVP. So I went with more of a, a stable scenario where the head coach is coming back, uh, the, the, the head coach is the same, offensive coordinator is the same. Patrick Mahomes, it's a cop-out, I get it, um, but I really think they're going to show something different this year from an efficiency standpoint, efficiency standpoint. and I'm really looking forward, not, I'm not looking forward to it at all, but I'm really thinking that he's going to be like, he's going to have like an Aaron Rodgers type of year where really efficient, he's going to have single-digit interceptions, you know, those high 30 uh, uh, touchdowns and, you know, 46, 4,700 yards. Yeah. Listen, it's really hard. Like when you have people like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady still in the league to like pick against them, I'm going with my knee jerk reaction. And it is for me, Josh Allen. See, and, I'm afraid they're not going to use Josh Allen as a runner as much as they did, which I, brought which that he was gaining like five to seven hundred yards a season because of that. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it'll they'll tone it down a little bit, um, especially because, like you mentioned, like hey, Ken Dorsey, first time offensive coordinator. By the way, 
49er legend Ken Dorsey <laughs> because he was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers out of the University of Miami. But I, I believe in Dorsey. I don't think he's going to do – I don't think he's going to deviate too far from, from the the course in terms of like what Dable was doing. I think you're going to see a lot of similarities. I do think they'll tone down the running a little bit. But typically this award is won by the best player on the best team and when you play quarterback, I know as much as we hate it, they attribute wins as a quarterback stat. So if he, you know, wins 13, 14 games this year in Buffalo, like I fully expect them to do, um, and he's the integral part of it, I think it's Josh Allen. Now, if I could go outside a little bit, Lamar Lamar Jackson would be my dark horse. And yeah, Lamar Jackson just yeah, because like the health. Yeah, but you're right. yeah. I mean, listen, for all these people, right? We're, we're second week of the preseason for all we know, like they might not even see the field and we'll look like idiots right in the regular season. But I can't get out of my mind what Lamar Jackson did through the first eight weeks of the season exactly. last year. And if he doesn't even have to do that again, even if that's toned back a little bit and then you can replicate it over the course of an entire season, how do you argue with that? I mean, that's a guy that's going to throw for 45, 4,600 yards. He's going to throw 30 five touchdowns he's going to run for a thousand you know eight nine hundred thousand yards and run in 10 touchdowns like you that's that's the mvp if that's the year he puts up let's also not forget the factor he's on a contract year you see what i'm saying that you can't forget those things how many times do players have their best season ever on a contract year just saying yeah i mean it's it's an unwritten rule in the nfl yeah all right, so let's go with the what I have t- t- I have termed the there he is. When we were kind of crafting this segment, we talked a little bit about like the Debo Samuel effect, right? A player yeah. that we know was a good football player mm-hmm. has proven to be a good football player, but all of a sudden it just realizes this potential that they have and finally arrives on scene. I'll pass the torch to you. Who's your there he is player okay. for the 2022 season? My there he is is none other than wide receiver from the Dallas Cowboys, CD Lamb. Now I'm not a Cowboys fan, all right. And CD has been good. This is not a cop out, but if you look at his stats, he's he's been good. All right. You know, since he arrived in Big D, he's averaged 76 catches and a little over a thousand yards and five touchdowns. That's good. Right, that's good. That's not great. No. However, let's take a step back now. Once again, CD has the skill and now the opportunity. No Amari Cooper, right? There go those targets. Michael Gallup not starting the season, uh, you know, uh, right away. So there goes those targets. Mike McCarthy hates to run the ball. Always has. He's always been a pass-heavy coach. Look in the days with the Green Bay, right? All these things saying, I think C.D. Lamb breaks out, has 100 catches, 14, maybe 1,500 yards, and double-digit touchdowns, and I think he goes off. I was a huge C.D. Lamb fan coming out uh, from uh, from the draft. So I think I think between opportunity and skill, he goes off. I know, it pain, I know as a, as a Niner fan, paying you to say anything nice about Cowboys players. No, I, I mean, li- listen, the year that we took Kinlaw and then came back in and got Ayuk, I, I was praying to God it was C.D. Lamb. I was 
Yeah. Literally nice. praying to God it was CD Lamb. Um, uh, listen, it works out for the, you know, differently for everybody. Um, I think mine, I don't want to call it a little bit more shocking, but like, let me explain. Okay. So if Jason Aponte, who's been on our show and we've been on his show, was an avid listener of the We're Talking Football podcast, I would say, Jason Aponte, this bud is for you. Uh, in tribute to the the bud, was it Budweiser or Bud Light commercials back in the day? This bud's for you. DJ Moore, wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. Now, you might be like, I know who DJ Moore is, right? Like, people know who DJ Moore is. Uh, last year, I mean – Dude, he's had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, right? But he's never had more than four touchdowns in a single season. He's never had more than 100 receptions. And look at his quarterbacks. I'm going to rattle off six names for you over the last four years of his professional career. Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, and Cam Newton. The corpse of Cam Newton. Sorry, five names for you. Um, I left off what's his face of the, the kid from West Virginia. Um, but Greer? that, yeah, Will Greer. Um, that being said, these aren't exactly like household names or anybody that inspires you to think that like they could take advantage of a, a player like DJ Moore. He's still 25 years old, dude. He's still a baby in the eyes of the NFL. And what I think is, Look, I know Baker Mayfield's not super inspiring, but he inspires me more than a fatigued, past his prime Cam Newton and any of the other names that we've talked about. And I think finally, because it's been talked about for years, DJ Moore will have a absurd season. And by absurd, I'm going to put on paper 1,300-plus yards, eight plus touchdown receptions and he will get out of being lost in continued mediocrity in Carolina in a low NFL market and finally hit like true national spotlight that he actually deserves. One thing. Do you know who his offensive coordinator is? I don't care. Oh, do me a favor. You got to Google it. I'll see. I'll see. Ooh, ooh, see, look, he got nervous now. Lou's about to drop some knowledge. Lessons dropping. I, I'm, I'm walking off the show. His offensive coordinator is none other than brilliant mind himself, Ben McAdoo. McAdoodle. That's where you're throwing the wrench in to this DJ Moore hype talk. Love him as a player, but what do we say all the time about coaching? It's all about coaching matters in the nfl that's what we say well dj moore's my guy all right let's wrap this up our final segment here is who is the prized free agent acquisition for a team that is most likely to i say implode you might say disappoint but whatever the case might be will not live up to his free agent standing you want to go first i feel like i've been going first a lot you can go first yeah so mine is Maybe I cheated a little bit, not necessarily free agent, but new team, new player. Um, So I I liken him to a free agent because he's brand new to the team. He's brand new to the scenario. Um, They've been toying with moving him for a little bit. So for me, it's going to be Tyreek Hill. And the reason why I'm classifying him as a free agent is because there was a brand new, nice, shiny contract that came with that that move um, in acquisition as well. Look, 
super talented player, but he winds up in the Miami Dolphins. To me, this is less of an indictment on Tyreek Hill as it is on the team in which he is arriving to, and most importantly, the quarterback play. Um, yes, to a tug of Viola, I am looking at you. He goes from playing – so it's about the change in who he's playing for and with versus who he was playing for and with. So he is going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa as his quarterback. He's going from Andy Reid to Mike McDaniel. And caveat here, I love Mike McDaniel. Like, I'm on the record of that. But he is certainly, in his first year as an NFL head coach, is still a huge unknown and is going to be designing that offense, doing it from a head coaching lens with much more responsibility and he is certainly not Andy Reid. What what this really when you think of Tyreek Hill, most people think big play ability, right? Stretching the field. And I just don't think that same success is going to be is going to come to fruition in Miami. And that's you spent what almost thirty million dollars a year on this guy. You're not going to get thirty million dollars worth of production. You might get ten to twelve million dollars worth of production. Ooh, you'd be a little harsh. I get it, but I think you'd be a little harsh. No, nah, dude, bro. My yeah. Well, mine isn't as controversial as yours, and uh, I just think it's more logical. Uh, my most disappointing free agent signing, uh, I think, will be uh, none other than Randy Gregory. All right. So here you are in the AFC West, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders to pair up with Max Crosby, got Chandler Jones. All right. Because you want to affect, you want to create more pressure. The Los Angeles Chargers got Khalil Mack for Joey Bosa. So it's increased more pressure. This was the Denver Broncos answer to that to pair with, with Chubb, Nick Chubb. Bennett Chubb, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb. Randy Gregory got a five-year, $70 million deal, and this guy has never had more than six sacks in the season, has never played a full season, by the way. He's never yeah. played all 17 games. He's always been relegated to a role player, and now they're throwing him in as a starter, and they're going to automatically think it will equate to larger numbers. I hate when people do that. You, you prorate it, so – Oh, he played like, you know, five games last year, got six sacks. So if you just times that by three, you know, he's going he's gonna to get 18 sacks this year. That's not how it works. And he's not exactly what you would call a workout warrior. You know, he's somewhat of a head case. Um, and you have to keep him motivated. And just saying, I think that was a, a exorbitant amount of money for a part-time player being th- thrusted into a full-time role. You've seen it all the time in NFL history. It just doesn't work out. So, uh, Dude, Gregory's up there. I mean, you mentioned a name that they were trying to, like, replicate even – you know, I, I toyed with maybe even Chandler Jones a little bit here, and I love nah, Chandler he, Jones. Him but and like, Crosby are going to be good. Yeah, I mean, dude, Max Crosby is an absolute savage, and he yeah, still Kansas, doesn't get as much love as he does. But And I Kansas think having – I have – I think pairing him – I think pairing Chandler with Max – prolongs the value of Chandler. Um, but you and I have talked about it. I think even openly on this show that like the production dipped tremendously at the end of last year, you know, and Chandler ain't 
getting any younger. And that's just the way this happens in, in the NFL. Um, I think the reality is if you get Yannick Ngakwe production, you're probably still happy because of Crosby on the opposite side. But, yeah, I, I mean, dude, there's there's every chance every single year that Randy Gregory gets an indefinite suspension from the NFL if he gets – Not good anymore. News, not yeah, like weave. <laughs> well, now, now because he's in a state where it's actually legal as well, right? So, like, he's got, he's got free reign um, essentially. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of risk there. And I, I forget what the – what is the guaranteed? Like 39, 49 yeah. million, something ridiculous too. Off the top of my head. Yeah, it was something because I remember when I was looking at it because I was like, oh, this ain't going to go well. Yeah. Uh, makes a lot of sense. You know, like I said, for me, it's it's Tyreek. Um, I, I think the world of the player as a player, not as an individual. Um, but I just think sometimes, like, you got to overpay for the superstars and you had to give up, you know, quite a bit to, to get them. But it's – I can't state enough the difference between going to play with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and then Tua Tagovailoa and first-year head coach Mike McDaniel. Like, that's a world of a difference on how this guy will get um, utilized. And I I get it. I just don't think he's going to be as underutilized and as bad as you're you're projecting him to be. I don't think he's going to be where he was with Kansas City. Don't get me wrong. There is going to be regression because of, you know, the talent. But I think you're – and I feel feel like you're also discounted – Mike McDaniel's, you're not. You say you're a Mike McDaniel fan, but wouldn't you be a believer in Mike McDaniel being able to get the ball into Tyreek Hill's fan? I mean, hands. Uh, yeah. That's you know. But I'm not a believer in the quarterback that he's using to get the ball into his hands. And- yeah, but to 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 Tua's to Tua's. Um, listen, I'm not. You know, to Tua's defense, this is the first time he probably has a really offensive minded coaching staff. Look at the people before. Yeah, they Flores, were, they, all these guys dude, defense. Not even that. The offensive coordinators were god friggin' awful. They were like yeah. scrap heaps of peep of offensive minds. So this is the first time he might have someone that's a little more innovative and more, you know, quarterback friendly. We'll so say. here here's my logic behind it. I know it's next man up mentality. And as the salary cap grows and we get further into the future here every year, these players make more and more and more money, but like a $30 million a year wide receiver, I'd argue that his production even in Kansas city doesn't warrant $30 million a year. Right. And I, I will, I will say, I want to be crystal clear about this. If his production statistically speaking is two thirds of what it was in Kansas city. Miami fans should think of that as a win, but that still doesn't equate to what you had to give up and what you're paying that person to get them. And for me, that's why it's, it's like, it's the same way I feel about the, the kid that was drafted by um, Jacksonville number one overall, like Sean Walker. Yeah. Like it's just, you're just putting an unfavorable scenario that like it's going to be really hard to overcome and like live up to that billing. And therefore all intense. Now I'm not saying Tyreek Hill can ever be considered a bust because what he has actually done and what his body of work, but from Miami forward, it will feel like it was a bust and it'll feel like another free agent that just got overpaid trying to get a superstar name that never amounted. Yep. All right, Lou. That wraps us up. One thing that I want to say as a caveat, this is our riskiest episode ever because we are making a ton of predictions that 
like all things in the NFL, are solely predicated on health and things going. Yeah, this is our way, 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 way too early predictions. Predictions, yeah. Um, we'll be back mid-year through the year, midway through the year, and and track how these are going, like we did last season when we did kind of our our mid-season awards, if you will. But outside of that, Lou, I'll rely on you, like I always do, tell the the audience where they can find us. Come on, guys, follow us on. WTF Pod NFL on our Twitter account and Instagram you know, Instagram page. You're not going to be disappointed. And Weston, tell them about our YouTube page. Yeah, nice and simple. We're talking football on, on YouTube. Uh, hit the likes, hit the subscribes. I'm just going to keep reiterating what I always said. I told Lou if we ever got over 500 YouTube subscribers, uh, it's going to be a very expensive dinner that I will gladly own up to and take him out to. Um, so make me let Lou eat my words. Essentially. Well, I, I want to give you a heads up real quick before we, you know, we say goodbye to everyone. I am in the process of creating 440 email addresses so I can just then subscribe to YouTube 440 times for that free dinner. That's how I roll. Hey, whatever gets us to that threshold, then the rest, <laughs> the rest just keep on coming. It's got a funny way of finding you. Lou, always a pleasure, my friend. Everybody enjoy the week two. Um, I know we had some games tonight, but enjoy week two of the the preseason, and we'll be back uh, before regular season kicks off and looking forward to it. Adios.